The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Go for it. Yeah. Okay, cool. Go for it, Alex. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, so um, I guess the first question is, how do you feel levelling up is going? Uh, I don't think it's going anywhere. Cause I can't, I've never seen any difference whatsoever. There you go. I'm Francine Lacroix in the London studio. And I'm David Merritt in the London studio. And this is In the City, Bloomberg's podcast that connects you to the stories at the heart of the City of London. Okay, so this week we are taking a look at the government's levelling up agenda. Yeah, and for those who don't know what levelling up is, which is probably people that don't live in the UK, this is basically a pledge to revive large parts of the UK, i.e. not London, that have been left behind. All those bits of Britain that have been forgotten, supposedly over the years, slipping further behind the capital. And of course, it was one of the big slogans, wasn't it, in the election in 2019, alongside getting Brexit done that Johnson got that huge majority. Yeah, he got a huge, huge resounding general election win. And then a little less than a year ago at a speech in Coventry, the prime minister again um, focused on what he called the outrage of glaring regional inequalities. And it's the mission of this government to unite and level up across the whole UK, not just because that is morally right, but because if we fail, then we are simply squandering vast reserves of human capital. And we're failing to allow people to fulfill their potential, and we are holding our country back. But what we're looking at now is the real data underneath the uh, anecdotes or the hype or the government spin. And we've been spending months crunching that data across 12 different metrics for every, every constituency in the UK and the outcome of that data crunching is pretty uncomfortable reading probably for the government. So it's basically, Dave, most of the places that lag behind London and the southeast of England when Johnson came to power that have seen little signs of better times. That's right. And, you know, it was supposed to narrow the gap between the farthest flung bits of Britain and London. And actually, the winner from the last few years has been the capital. So we're going to hear in a bit from the chief executive officer of legal and general, Nigel Wilson. Yeah, and he's a northerner. He really cares about this levelling up agenda. I remember talking to him as, you know, three, four years back about this and why this should have been a priority for the government. First, we're going to speak to our man who's been on the ground across Britain and who is responsible for that digging into the data, uh, Bloomberg's reporter, Joe Mays. Welcome, Joe. Hello, how's it going? Very good. So Hi, you Joe. T- you just got back from travelling around the country. I'll Tell us where tour. you've been. It was a Red Wall tour. The yes. Red Wall tour, <laughs> yes. right. I was up in Sedgefield, in Wakefield in Yorkshire. Then I went across to Rochdale, near Manchester, and down to Stoke, which are kind of the main regions that constitute the Red Wall. And I was meeting the greats and the goods to find out what they made of Boris Johnson's progress. And uh, yeah, well, they weren't too impressed, uh, which tallies with the data that we've pulled together. And, and just going back to the data that you've been mining for the last few months, Joe, so it tells this pretty bleak picture. Not only are things bad and the, and the gulf exists between London and, and these parts of Britain, 
but it's got worse, right? Yeah, because levelling up is not a static thing. I think the government would like it that London stayed where it was and then the rest of the country could be kind of pushed along upwards towards London. But London is such a kind of phenomenon that's continued to grow and do so well in the last couple of years because it's got all that economic momentum and the rest of the country just simply has not done the same. So as you get that widening disparity in the country and the, the fruits of the proceeds of economic growth in the UK just continue to accrue to London and the South East and they are not being shared around. And that's what the government is trying to solve. But as our data shows, it's just not happening. So Joe, what are they most worried about? So there was this kind of amazing moment where I was in Sedgefield, so formerly Tony Blair's seat, the Labour Prime Minister, but now won by Johnson in 2019. And there's this disused rail yard in a town called Ferry Hill, which the government wants to turn into an active rail yard, but it hasn't yet done so. And this is exactly the kind of levelling up project you'd, you'd think they might achieve, you know, make make a train station in a new area, bring jobs, uh, allow commuters to access uh, work in nearby towns. And I went into the, the fish and chip shop in the town and I spoke to the owner, Colin Myers. And he told me that he came to this town because of the promise of a railway station four decades ago, and it still hasn't happened. And yeah, he Four was, decades? Yes, he'd been there since 1978. And he said, I came here in 1978, and they said there would be a new railway station. It still hasn't happened. And he said to me, it's as if the government doesn't even know we are here. And, and it was really still holding out hope. He is. Or... I mean, I was speaking to the local MP, and the local MP is trying to get this railway station to be built. But there's no sign of it happening. No right? sign of it happening yet. So, um, yeah, wow. he was great. And his his colleague Carolyn was saying to me that this place is on the bottom, and they'll never level up around here. You know, it was really quite striking how much uh, is effectively despair about whether the government yeah. will ever improve. But has it? And has this phrase stuck, though? It's got some recognition. People say, well, we're never going to level up around here. They've heard Boris Johnson say this, right? <laughs> they would only say that once I had introduced this. Ah, right. So they don't even know what, it, what this plan is. That was is. the most common reply I had, which was, well, what is this levelling up you're talking about? So I certainly haven't heard about it. And when I explained what it means, you know, spreading wealth and prosperity, they're like, ah, oh, right, OK, well, yeah, that's not happening. And uh, uh, we don't see any sign of it happening. So. No, 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 no. I don't think... No, no improvements no. There's whatsoever. Nothing, there's nothing here yet, is there? Nothing. There's no guarantee of any improvements either. No, no. It's never changed in the time I've been here in nine, well, 78, so that's 44 years. Yeah. It's got worse within that time. Yeah. So, Dave, what's amazing in this is that actually people feel forgotten, they feel left behind, and yet they love the Prime Minister. I think Boris, generally, has done a brilliant job. Absolutely brilliant. I can't knock the guy. That was the, the most striking finding often was that, the, oh yeah, Boris, he's doing a great job. We feel very sorry for him. Did well with the pandemic. He so, did well sorry with Brexit. For, sorry for what? Particularly uh, well, they the think he dealt with a rough hand. And oh, you can see that. Okay. Know, to be prime minister in a global pandemic and to have to deal with all of that. So there's still a lot of sympathy out there. And the kind of corollary is they don't feel much love for the Labour leader, Keir Starmer. No. They feel like... Many were saying, we don't understand him, we don't know what his policies are, he doesn't enthuse us. And therefore, even though the levelling up data is bad, you can see why it's not a game over for Boris Johnson. But is this about spending more money in the regions to regenerate and attract talent? Like, what can the government actually do? It's about doing lots of things all at once. So public policy experts would say, yes, you can spend money in areas, but if you don't also improve the local council, reduce crime, improve the town centre... Uh, provide more jobs and do all these things at once, then you'll never actually really see a meaningful kind of levelling up effect in an area. Money is one thing. And even on money, I was speaking to the head of the Stokes County Council, which has been one of the biggest recipients of levelling up funding. And her name's Abby Brown. And she was saying, I just don't have the people to spend the money that I've been given. I think there's always a challenge around needing more resource. 
So, you know, having to have conversations with the government to explain to them that, for example, we only have one person who does transport policy for our authority. Mm-hmm. We're a quarter of a million people. Yeah. Um, we're really well geographically placed, and we mm-hmm. know that we some industry comes here because of our geographic location, but we have one person who's responsible for yeah. any transport policy. But your, your analysis, Joe, showed that public spending per capita it has actually fallen behind London in most places of Britain still, hasn't it? So even if the government's saying they're going to put more money in, it's not flowing in to the extent that it needs to to actually close that gap with, with the capital. Yes, and it's a direct lever that the government could be pulling, but which our data shows that they're not. And it seems like there's a, a mindset in Whitehall and in the Treasury which leans towards spending where they think they get the best return for money. And often historically, if you do a spreadsheet calculation, it will show London comes out best because you know, the return on investment is high. And they need to get away from that mindset, I think. And that was something that the, the council leaders were telling, were telling me. Joe, thank you so much for that reporting and for coming on air to talk about it. Thank you. And thank you for your amazing data analysis as well. And looking forward to the next, uh, the next revisiting of the data in a few months' time. Thank you very much. So it's striking how Joe, I think, was talking about the government promising to pay all this money to level up, and it's not actually happening. But I, you know, the other side of the coin is is corporate Britain, right? And having to have some private investment into these areas. Yeah, and it's maybe up to some of the private companies to actually be sure that they're all over the country and trying to level up. So we spoke to a very interesting chief executive. He's legal in general. I mean, I was going to say, what do they do? But what don't they do, Dave, right? They do pensions. They do investment schemes. Yeah, they they do do insurance, obviously. But they also see themselves as one of the big sort of agents or engines of leveling up across the country with investments in a ton of regeneration schemes across Britain. Yeah, I think they've invested over £30 billion in levelling up regional UK economies with a further like millions pledged. And Nigel Wilson, the CEO, is a northerner and a proud northerner himself and is very passionate about this subject. And we're delighted for him to join us. But really, Nigel, you're much more than that. You've been really one of the most vocal chief executives when it comes to levelling up and making sure that everybody gets a fair chance in the UK. Yes, and I'd just like to say thank you to you guys for doing outstanding pieces of research because you need to hold the government to account and actually measure what are the outcomes. So we're very appreciative of that. I think the cool thing with this with this tracker is that we're going to come back to it every three months, you know, yeah. and it's about proper accountability, isn't it? And they're going to try and do one themselves, yeah. but it, it needs to be intellectually honest. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the problem is the government's managing by soundbite yeah. at the moment and not by policy outcomes and outcomes. And we're all about outcomes. Yeah. We're about investing, you know, real money in the, in the real economy, delivering real jobs. And uh, I guess the problem, Nigel, is that it's, it's a very easy excuse when you have inflation through the roof and I don't you think have it an energy an crisis. I don't think it's an excuse at all. But aren't policymakers using it as an excuse? Yeah. Well, of course they are, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, but it's not an excuse. I mean, it has to be a legitimate excuse. If we can continue doing it, and as, I don't think it's going to change our strategy because we're busy levelling up the best we can right across the country. But we need partners and people who want to work with us to help accelerate. And it's almost every area we're failing. Housing's failing, transportation failing, health's failing, education's failing, productivity's failing. And we've got structural underinvestment again in the UK, which is the, the problem we've had for the last 30 or 40 years. And, you know, very different from America, which is a, you know, a much more dynamic get-go place. 
So your your experience then as a as a business leader looking at all corners of the country that tallies with the Bloomberg data findings that things are just actually getting worse. Yes. But but that's an aggregate number. There are pockets of real excitement across the UK and we're really excited about, you know, working with a number of different partners in a number of different cities. But the theme that we had was the UK economy would never be successful or grow if we didn't invest outside of London. London can be and is probably the best city in the world to live in. But so why have we not? I mean, in places like Manchester, Leeds, so many other places that have so much potential, why have we underinvested? No, I, th- I think Manchester is doing a pretty good job, and Leeds is doing. We've picked on two of the two of the, the best, the best <laughs> one, and, but they are the best, you know. And you know, and that isn't even a, a good benchmark in one sense. I think they can be much yeah. much better. We have a partnership with Manchester University. This is this is a great example of of something. Is that when UMIS closed down in two thousand and four, there was there was a, a a site available to regenerate. You know, we won the competition for that site generation in 2021, a mere 17 years later. And the pace of change is just too slow. And there are too many barriers to getting things done in the UK. Even London's a great example. You know, one of the reasons housing is so expensive in London is there's just a, a shortage of supply. Typically, it takes seven years between buying a site and putting a spade in the ground on a site in London. That's shocking. You said London's you know, one of the best cities to live in in the world. And our data shows that, yes, the gap has widened, despite the government saying they're going to try and redistribute wealth across the country. And in fact, the only areas where the, the gap had narrowed is because London had itself got worse. So it's not only levelling up, it's actually levelling down on things like life expectancy, which you can attribute to, to COVID-19. Do you think it's just inevitable that London's going to continue to outperform the rest of the country? It's just because of all those advantages it's got. No, is the, is the honest answer to that. You know, we have a four billion pound investment program with Oxford uh, because Oxford's underinvested. You know, it's a wonderful university, but it needs to judge itself against MIT and Harvard in terms of what what we're doing. But Nigel, what about the north? I mean, there must be places in the UK where people just look at the numbers and think, well, my, you know, I'm not making a decent living. Everything is hard. The government is not helping me. And what I was promised when I voted for Brexit is not powering through. Well, I don't know whether it's just a vote for Brexit around that. I think it, it's, a, it's a long-term trend which we haven't stopped yet. And there's just insufficient investment gone into the economy and outside of uh, London to stop that trend. And, you know, our job and our collective job is to work in partnership with central government, local government, and indeed the universities across the UK and really step up. And everybody has to step up. Otherwise, in three months' time, you'll be telling me the same story yeah, it's got again. Even worse. I mean, everybody, you mean corporate Britain as well as the government? I mean, whose fault is it that this investment isn't happening? It's a collective responsibility. And, and, and you know, central government hasn't stepped up. It's, it's pretty obvious that that's happened. But at a local level, everybody has to step up as well and not just wait for central government to turn up. And that's never happened to 30, 40 years. It's not suddenly going to change overnight. But the private sector has to, to step up as well right across, the, uh, right across the country. And, you know, Leeds, Manchester, Birmingham, they're, they're also great cities. But the delta between those cities and London 
is, is almost the largest in the world. It doesn't happen in America. America has, you know, its top cities are all very similar in terms of their, their GDP and their standard of living. It's hugely different between London and everywhere else. And Germany is the same. Germany has, you know, the, their top cities. And in fact, even in East Germany now, Leipzig, Dresden and Berlin's per capita income exceeds every city in England apart from London. And it, only Edinburgh is high right across the UK. And that's real levelling up that we've seen in, in Germany. But it's a huge commitment by the government and the private sector to bring East Germany up to being much closer to uh, uh, West Germany. So, so what's happened in the UK? Is it historical reasons because of some of the manufacturing that happened in those places? And I guess the cost of living is just going to make these inequalities between the South and the North worse. Yeah. Well, there's, if, 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 if you look at another headline number, there's 1.8 million job vacancies in Britain. 1.8 million. This is the highest it's ever ever been. And it's a very unusual occurrence that there's so many job vacancies and these jobs are not being taken. This is an underinvestment in education and training over 30 or 40 years. America has a bit of that as well. I, I've joined a call with a, a number of American CEOs who are complaining about the same thing. They have lots of vacancies. They can't, they can't fill them uh, right, right now. And the economy is changing faster in terms of the demand for new solutions and technology is leading that charge. And at the moment, the labour markets are lagging behind that, that we haven't trained up enough people to work in those new new, new areas. And therefore, the premium on workers in those new areas is, is extraordinarily high. Uh, all that's right just going to feed back into the inflation, you know, 10% forecast at the end of this year. That's a, that's a huge barrier to any, any progress in levelling up, isn't it? I mean, the economy is looking very very shaky for the rest of this year, isn't See, it? We're not, in fact, we're stepping up our levelling up investment because actually there's there's more opportunities yeah. now. You but are, it, yeah. but are others. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> and, and why not? I don't know why not. It's one of those things where people have asked me that question and, we, you know, we've made a bit, you know, great success of it. You know, our return on equity is 20%, which is very high for a financial services company. We've scaled up extraordinarily in lots of, in all the areas that I was talking about that are, uh, that are problems. But when we come with a solution to government, they're actually very supportive of, of that. But actually... Because you're paying for it, right? We're paying for it. Yeah. We're happy to pay for it. So we don't ask the, the government. We look for projects where we will finance the whole thing. But part of the core infrastructure needs to be provided by, by, the, the, government. by the government. Mm. But are you pulling investment out of London to fund that? Or is it an, ad, an additive thing? It's an additive thing as, as well. Can I ask about financial services in the city yeah. specifically? Um, it's a huge part of the economy. The, the, the leveling up agenda is ignoring the strength of the city in a sense and not thinking about how do we speed things up as the city transitions post-Brexit. I mean, what's your, what's your sense no, of the future here right in the square mile? No, the future's bright, I think, uh, here in the, in, in the square mile. And uh, it's great to see everybody back to work. Uh, and there's, you know, great excitement. Uh, ac across the city. There's so much innovation going on, there's so much investment required, and there's great clusters of, of that investment. And that's why, you know, I'm very excited about the creativity and creative industries in, in and around London. And those will be financed by, you know, financial firms like, like, our, like ourselves. And so there's masses of new market opportunities op opening up, a huge amount of investment required. And that golden triangle between Oxford, Cambridge, and, and London is going to continue to attract massive amount of, of capital. And I'm really impressed by a number of the vice chancellors across the UK right now who are reaching out and saying, actually, 
we, we've got to be part of this. We can't just be an academic institution. Mm. We have to step up and be more like the best in class in the world, which are the MITs, the Harvards and the, yeah. the Stanford. How long do you think, if the right investment got to the right places, does this levelling up take? It's okay. a 10 to 20 year project. I mean, I think that's the thing you have to do is recognise that it's a 10 to 20 year, which is what we've done is, is you know, whether it's in Newcastle or Sunderland, every every city you go to, if you went and saw the senior people there, would say, well, actually, here is, here's a whole bunch of projects. But, but, but three years have passed and we've gone backwards. So, you know, three of the, three of the 10 have gone already are we actually going to make that deadline no your data is not going to say we're going to make the deadline until we have real concrete action in support of leveling up from the government which is which um but um, but also the local governments as well having to step up and getting rid of their uh political uh views to a certain extent and focus on place because place and people should come first and politics should be second if you had a magic wand to level up easier and better what would you do I changed the planning regulations pretty much right across the UK very quickly. I would empower local people to um, make decisions a lot more quicker. I'd reallocate the budget to spend more on intra-city transport rather than intercity uh, transport because you know everybody's saving 10, 10 minutes uh, a day travelling to and from work, getting rid of all the pollution that exists in, at a city city level is much more important than you know taking 10 minutes off the time it takes to get to Birmingham by 2032. The right way to level up is also focusing on healthcare, and you've done huge studies on this. Health inequality is increasing, and you know, in in leveling up, it is absolutely going backwards right now, right across the country. And this government, you know, it fought the election in 2019 about building new hospitals, massive investment. You know, they've just put up national insurance to pay for more funding for the healthcare system. But is that feeding through at all, or is it all just spin? But. It's not feeding through, and I think the again you need somebody who takes accountability and responsibility. You know, there was a great talk about the forty-one hospitals. Yeah, where are you know, they? You know, I, I don't think you know none of them have been built none, so right. far, and I think five are in planning so far, and it's just too slow. Going back to that earlier theme, Americans get it done. We need to get that mentality over here. Get on it. Who's responsible? Who's accountable? Who's going to deliver on this? Because it's so important that we modernize and use technology to deliver better solutions for health in the UK because there are healthy life expectancies just going backwards. But you're sounding, Nigel, when you go around the country, the people in these constituencies who were promised all of this back in yep. 2019, yep. they must be noticing now. Is that yeah, anger? Are they angry? They get angry. They are angry. They're, they're disappointed. What um, are they doing about it? Well, they, they don't know what to do, you see, because they don't feel as though they have any, any levers to pull uh, right now at, at, at that sort of level. This is the role of the state in a modern economy, and the, the state has to step up. Thank you so much. I know. I'm Francie Lacqua. And I'm David Merritt. And that's it for this week's episode of In the City. We will be back next week. And in the meantime, if you like the show, please, first of all, rate it. Also, check out the Bloomberg UK website for more news and views. This episode was produced by Summer Sadi. Special thanks to our guests, Joe Mays and Nigel Wilson. The head of Bloomberg Podcasts is Francesca Levy. All right. Bye, gang. Bye.